This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello and welcome to a Happy New Year edition of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking fresh as a daisy this January day, is Alan <laughs> Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and handsome and dare I say kind of glittering uh, horticultural <laughs> horticulturalist or horticultural hero, I think we should call you. Oh, really? Well, goodness me. Well, <laughs> over in Cambridgeshire is Thordis Sophia Maria Friedrichsen looking absolutely stunning in a recently completed new jumper, which, if you'll excuse the expression, was an absolute bugger to knit. And, no. I've, just been, and I've just been told if you actually drop a stitch, well, forget it. <laughs> yeah, if you if you do like knitting, it's well worth investing in, in doing lifelines, I found after I had to pull the whole thing out and start again. Um, this I was knit, knitting this. This was my very exciting New Year's Eve. Nothing else to do. So I was determined to finish this in 2020 as my final finished object of the year. So I, I got it, got it finished on New Year's Eve. That's how I spent my end of the year. How was your Christmas? How was your New Year? Well, it's a great end to the year, I think, in actual fact. I do get rather, I get rather, um, shall we say, frustrated by the fact of saying, everyone's saying, thank God we can say goodbye to 2020. And two days later, we're into a new year, but nothing has changed, you know, and in fact, it's got worse again. <laughs> but that's, that's by the by. Um, we have to deal with what we have to deal with. Um, my Christmas was actually very good, thank you very much. I mean, as usual, we don't sit down for Christmas lunch, and it was probably, a lot of people did what I did, and they had their Christmas lunch later on in the day this year. Um, and I'm not a great one for cooking a turkey because I don't like the thought of this great big bird having to cut it up and all that nonsense. <laughs> I just don't like the thought of it. Uh, and so what I did this year, um, there's a, a chap called Donald Russell or a business called Donald Russell up in Scotland. And they do the most amazingly um, creative things with turkeys. And they get this enormous turkey drumstick, which they uh, then put a half a crown of turkey on. So you get your brown meat on the drumstick, your white meat from the crown, and they stuff it with this amazing stuffing with I mean, the largest sultanas I've ever seen in this stuffing. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing I would say when you're washing your plates up, be careful because you get one down your drain that will block it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the most amazingly tasty Christmas. And we didn't, I mean, there was enough for four people. I mean, there's only two of us. We had it twice. Enough for four people. And that's it. You know, you just relish it love it use it two days it's finished on to the next thing and my next thing was in actual fact a tomahawk of beef which came from the same people um and it's basically a, a ribeye steak with an enormous rib and you feel you could pick it up and whack, some, whack somebody on the head with it <laughs> and i cooked that in the oven and i cooked it in about 35 minutes i think i seared both sides of it to, to give it a lovely sort of brown crust with some nice umami flavours in there. So it got caramelised. And then I popped it in the oven for about 30, 35 minutes and it was absolutely delicious. It was slightly pink in the middle, just as we like it. Oh. You know, if you don't like it slightly pink, leave it another ten to uh, another five to 10 minutes and it's, it's, it'll be fine. That sounds and delicious. <laughs> and in actual fact, there was so much on this that we had what we wanted. And then um, our, our oldest dog, Violet, who's 17, 
um, she absolutely devoured the rest of it. Not all at once, but she had it. <laughs> and she's a Lazarapsa, and they are known for their longevity. Um, and she's got to the stage now, as you know, Thordis, the way she is slightly blind, uh, slightly deaf. I mean, more deaf than, than, than hearing, I think, and more blind than seeing. But she knows her way around and she's welcomed the new pups that we have with um, great enthusiasm until she gets tired and then she snaps at them. But <laughs> I think this, this Christmas has given her a new lease of life. <laughs> oh, particularly the beef. How was your Christmas? Well, when it came to my Christmas, it was really lovely. Lots of tasty food. I'm probably about 80% mince pie at the moment. I've eaten more than ever before. <laughs> um, quite a lot of cream, which is a concern for the waistline, but never mind. Um, and I got lots of lovely gifts, including a palatial hedgehog home in vibrant orange <laughs> from a certain somebody who I may be talking to right now. Uh, <laughs> which I need to find out. Oh. I was going to say, well, I hope, I hope it's not, I mean, you, you're always telling me how small your garden is and everything else. And, and I did think uh, when I commissioned it, because I actually commissioned it from somebody, you know who they are, um, Roger and Jackie, when they came to the plant fair. And I suddenly thought, ah, Thunder Fairy Christmas present in orange, it has to be. So I got them to do it, make it for me, which is very kind of them. And then the money goes to the wonderful sort of hedgehog dress and all the, you know, what, what do they call Hodmadods? <laughs> Do you remember Hodmadods in Norwich and they look after hedgehogs and things like that? Um, and so I thought, well, that's it's all for, in a good cause. And then I thought, well, am I being silly? Because Thordis is always telling me she has a small garden. And I thought, no, you're not being silly because <laughs> it, it can reside at mum's until she gets a bigger house. Exactly. And a hedgehog home is for life, not just for Christmas. Um, now, the other thing I got for Christmas, which I was very excited about, you may remember before Christmas, we thought we would help people who were struggling with kind of gardening gift ideas by yeah. sharing some ideas with the very lovely Ian Roof um, yes. of, of our Get Gardening team. And um, one of the things I got, I started waxing lyrical about and got a bit carried away with was the idea of a tin filled with treasures, you know, seeds and secateurs and string and pencil and all those sorts of things. And yes. lo and behold, my clever mother watched the podcast and bought <laughs> the most exquisite vintage tin now anyone who follows me on on instagram or you know who's, who's sort of followed me aside from this podcast will know that these are a pretty accurate representation of our family ponies so we have a halflinger and a little icelandic horse um so this is morley and tilly basically on a wonderful old vintage tin um that she managed to oh, find. lovely that's absolutely lovely searched and searched and then as if that wasn't enough she then individually wrapped up all kinds of wonderful seeds for me to put in it, plant world seeds, all kinds of exciting things. She's even challenged me to try and grow an albizia from seed, so wish me luck. <laughs> Actually, that's not too difficult because albizia is a member, members of the pea family. But oh, good. I mean, so that really isn't too difficult a nice gritty yeah, compost and then it's a question of waiting actually uh, and i noticed that this is a one this is a little seed tip for anybody growing plants from yeah. seed um do your research first two reasons one right. is if you sometimes seedlings put up the first individual leaves not the cotyledons uh, the first I, true I, leaves I they don't the tell the truth they yeah. don't say exactly what they are and if you're like me an impatient person you throw the whole lot on the compost heap and then realize that the second year the leaves come true that was a that was an aerometallicum marmoratum that i grew from seed the other thing is that um tim fuller of the plantsman's preference had a, a, a picture on instagram this morning 
of a flower pot that he'd discarded exactly. because he'd sown well, some trillium seed in it um, two money. years ago. Yeah. And there were five or six little little plants all just starting to grow. Yeah. So he's rescued them. But uh, so don't be in too much of a hurry. Um, no. if, you, if your seedlings don't germinate immediately, just leave them and they probably will. Yeah, it's, it, the, no, 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 no. the idea yeah. of doing your research and getting as much information under your belt before you start your attempt is a, is a really, really important one because um, my mum also came across a, a lovely little company called Heartwood Seeds, um, whose seeds come in these tiny little packets. One of them has got five seeds in. What one was this? This is an Adenium abesum or Adenium abesum. Um, there's a jacaranda. I mean, she has definitely challenged me with things to grow. But these wonderful people sent me a message uh, to give me specific extra germination tips for these seeds. So I'm so grateful to you. Thank you um, for, for sort of trying to set me on the path to success. We'll see how I go with them. I'm not the world's best germinator, but I'm certainly keen if nothing else. So we'll give it a go. You touched on a point there because jacaranda seeds, we had a jacaranda um, that I grew from seed many years ago and I planted it in the ground in the Pelly house, which has got quite a tall ceiling. I can't remember why, but I took it out, um, but I'm really thinking of putting it back because it blooms early springish here um, with those wonderful um, mauve, mauve purple flowers, lovely ferny growth. It's a graceful plant at any time. If you've got the space for it, I would urge you to grow it for a few years until it gets too big and then you probably have to start again. But I remember very affectionately jacaranda trees from when Graham and I flew to the other side of the world. Uh, we had to go to, or Graham had to go to um, New Zealand, and I was allowed to go along as, uh, you know, carrying the luggage and all that sort of thing. But I mean, <laughs> in other words, a free holiday out of it. Um, went, when we were flying in over the city of Auckland in uh, New Zealand, in the, um, it's the North Island, I think, and um, there was all these blobs of purple. There, there were lots of blobs of bright blue, which were the swimming pools, and the blobs of purple, because it was midsummer there, you see. Uh, this is on the 31st of December, and this lovely purple jacaranda was blooming away, and I fell in love with it. Oh, well, there we go. If I ever get it to grow, I'll I'll remember that. <laughs> um, and also, because I've now put all of my various naughty planty purchases and gifts into this uh, to try and keep the, the newest ones on one side and then kind of last year's seed on the other side. I'll, it'll all go to pot as soon as I delve into it. But on the top, I also have a few little things that you gave me, which I'm excited to grow. A wonderful fireball poppy uh, from Plant World Seeds, some tagetes, there's all kinds of I think, I think that's the one I saw um, Chris Beardshaw talking about as the Armenian poppy. Um, did a bit of research and found out which one that was. And I thought he, he suggested somebody should grow on, on Gardener's Question Time. So I did a bit of research and found out what it was. And that's it. Mm. Well, I'm very excited about it. So lots of seed growing excitement to come in 2021 uh, for me. Well, you, 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 you really, um, you look like you, you're going to need another tin. And I've got a tin somewhere. <laughs> if only I can find it. Excuse me just a moment. Sorry about this, but you know how it's lovely sometimes when you raid junk stock shops and you find various things. And this oh, is oh. a tin that contained bluebird toffees. And there it is painted with the bluebird on the top of it. Now, some people might remember this and you can see from the look of it, it's quite a vintage tin. And I just bought this for the love of it because of what it contained. 
And if I look inside, there are some lovely old zinc plant labels. Oh, look. Goodness knows how old they are or how much use they'll be. But I just thought in the garden, they'll get lost or pinched. So I thought nice things to put in flower pots um, uh, in the greenhouse. When you've got a pelagonium um, and there's one of them here, which is engraved with, well, there's two actually. And the, the most lovely writing, um, a verbena, melindres, and a lupina, polyphellus. If you look at if you look at them very closely, you can just see the writing, and it is beautiful script. It's something that we've forgotten how to do today, I think, or anyway, a skill that's been lost. And inside the lid, it says "Bluebird Luxury Assortment." <laughs> I just think that's just such a lovely thing, and it, it seemed a, a, um, a shame to to not use it, to throw it, to dump it. So I've, I've kept that. I may, maybe I'll give it to you to put some more seeds in, because one will never be enough for you, I know. No. Well, it's quite funny. I got this, and obviously then straight after Christmas, there was I trying to organise my seeds into it, and immediately they're overflowing into a much less glamorous Lurpak tub. <laughs> Don't underestimate the Lurpak tube because what I do is like cream cheese cartons and things like that. I actually heat a soldering iron up and I pierce through the bottom to make holes and I use them as little seed trays because quite often you don't want a big seed tray and you don't need huge depth when you're germinating seedlings and they're really quite useful. I remember years ago people used to laugh at, at um, other people that used to sort of sell little plants in yogurt pots. Well there's nothing wrong with that in actual fact because it's a method of recycling um, and hopefully today we'll have sort of or in the near future, we'll have Lurpak tubs and yogurt pots and all the rest of the things that will be biodegradable. Yeah, and, and actually lockdown mark one, um, that was so much of my uh, growing. I have never held on to milk bottles, you know, cartons, yogurt pots, Lurpak tubs, all of them. I now am hoarding them because I live in fear of not being able to go out and buy, uh, you know, seed trays and things again. And obviously when you <laughs> garden for a while, you have built up a certain stock of pots, but it's amazing, particularly when you want, um, you know, seed trays, little ones. You know, it's nice to be able to sow a small number of something. You don't always want a big seed tray. Um, no. It's amazing how quickly you go through it if you are germinating quite a lot. And I always germinate way too much. Yes, can't you tell the world has gone back to work today? I mean, this week, the telephone's going, the door buzzer's going, goodness knows what. Oh, dear. Sorry about that. Busy, that's all right. Oh, we never <laughs> asked about your Christmas presents. Oh, no, you didn't. Well, I I had lots of, sort of nice things. Like, I mean, I, I love a diary, and I every year somebody, some of the people that work for me, they very kindly club together and get me various things. And one of them was the RHS diary, which I love because it has lovely artworks in it. It's not just that, but lots of other things as well. And it's so useful. And I do like to sort of keep, I, I don't keep a diary per se. I just make occasional notes. Um, normally something I've got to remember, but this intriguing bag arrived, if you can see this, with, with Japanese writing on the top, and it contains um, this chap here, which is called a, a hori hori, and it's almost horrid horrid, <laughs> because what it is, in actual fact, is this Japanese planting tool. Now, it's I mean, this is not the kind of thing you want to walk down the street with because it's got this great serrated edge here, which is a really good for sawing the odd branch off. It's got a blade here, which has got planting depths on it, which is very useful if you're not sure how deep to plant 
things. I mean, I don't need that because I've been doing it for years and years and years and I can do it. And it also acts as a very good planting tool. It's fiendishly strong. It's got one of those um, handles where the actual knife blade goes right up through the handle and it's riveted in between. You can see that. Um, and it's it's just such a useful tool. That, I mean, it's one of the things that, you know, it will be it will still be usable long after I've finished gardening. Um, <laughs> which I think is a wonderful thing to have. And it has this, it comes in this, and it's not fiendishly expensive. I mean, it's not cheap either, um, but then nothing is. And it has this lovely um, thing you can hang on your belt so that you've got it with you at all times. Oh, Isn't that a good wow. thing? And I know you wanted that. That was pretty high up your wish list pre-Christmas. It was actually, it was the first thing that came to my mind. I said, oh, can I have a uh, uh, hori hori knife, please? <laughs> One of those tools that's, you know, if you're bodging about in a border and you suddenly come across the root of something, you can't necessarily dig it out. You just want to saw through it on either side, to push a plant in that, in that space. And it's absolutely ideal. Yeah. Um, well, we have very successful Christmases between us. We're very lucky. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Count your blessings. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that comes to mind for January is New Year's resolutions. Now, I am terrible at New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you. Do you tend to set them or not? Uh, not anymore, no, because invariably they get broken. So my New Year's resolution for the past few years has been um, a sensible and individual one to just try and be better at whatever it is that I do, um, to be kinder, to be fairer, to be um, a better person, to be a better gardener, to grow bigger this and bigger that, more interesting, more expansive, involve more people in what I'm doing, just to be, I think, generally nicer and nicer and a kinder kind of person. Well, you're doing very well all of that. So <laughs> the New Year's resolutions of past years have clearly paid off. Yes, <laughs> well, um, it's work in progress, Claudius. <laughs> um, talking of work in progress, my New Year's resolution is, is, I suppose, a bit vague, but it's funny putting this podcast together. Some of the pictures, uh, so many of the pictures are so kindly um, sort of donated for our use by many, many keen plants people on the internet. And so thank you very much. If you're one of those, um, there have been many of them over the past months. Uh, thank you. But some of them come from either Alan's garden. He heads out, he's tasked with his list of photos he needs to get from East Ruston or Vicarage. And some of them come from my garden and, and photos I've taken at East Ruston and other places. Um, and certainly looking back through the photos of my current garden, which is, you know, relatively new, couple of years old, um, under my hand and uh, basically a blank canvas beforehand. The thing I've noticed is that I am never happy with anything I do in the garden. But when I look back at the photos, it was actually so much more successful than I ever gave it credit for. And yes, loads of things have gone wrong. Things, combinations haven't been right. Things haven't grown in the way I wanted them to. But my resolution is definitely to celebrate the successes, less focusing on the failures. Um, and I'll probably not succeed, but that is what I resolved to do in 2020. Well, I, think, I think that's a very, very good resolution. And I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, in actual fact, and she, she um, was <clears throat> going to have somebody around her garden, a volunteer. It's a friend of hers, but she said she really wants to learn how to garden. And Val is quite a good gardener. 
Um, and so she said, um, I, goodness knows what she's going to think of my garden. And I said, Val, you've made the classic mistake that everybody makes, you included, Claudius. And that is that when you look at your garden, you're super critical of it. And there's always the thing, and it's personal taste as well, the things you don't like and everything else. But you, perhaps we shouldn't do that. Perhaps we should be more um, self-indulgent with ourselves and see it, try and see it through the visitor's eyes. And they come expecting nice things to see, and that's what they will see. Um, so you know, relax into it and just enjoy it a bit more. Having said that, I have to say that I'm equally critical of my own garden and equally worried about the jobs that need doing. But, you know, life is not perfection. It never is and it never will, probably never should be. But, you know, people can enjoy seeing work in progress as well. Um, so enjoy it. Perfection is boring, hey? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is an actual And to be quite honest, you've only got to go to one of these gardens that people rave about like the Bouchard garden in in uh, Canada and there's um, that famous spring bulb garden in Holland I can't remember the name of it at the moment but never mind but they are garden to the state of immaculate immaculateness that is frankly boring because there's nothing everything is just too tidy <laughs> I had a cousin like that she kept her house too tidy there was never a newspaper you know even the fruit bowl fruit in the fruit bowl was made of china Yeah, it's definitely not like that in my house, I tell you. You didn't know whether you could sit down or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's such an exciting point going forward. I, I feel, particularly on a sunny day, even though it's still winter, it feels like the promise of the new gardening year is upon us. I have had um, listeners to this podcast get in touch with their shopping list. Special shout out to Foggy, who has been putting together a, a quite extensive shopping list based on past FLOMO uh, from this podcast. Um, right. So so Rosa Mutabilis, I know, is there on the list. Lots of other scrumptious, lovely things um, to be added to gardens up and down the, uh, the country. Um, talking of have FLOMO... You got a, hmm? Have you got a FLOMO? Well, I do. Actually, you mentioned... <laughs> Plantsman's preference earlier. Yes. Mine yeah. comes from, I think it must have been a few days ago now, Nandina domestica filamentosa. Yep. Which I might mm. not have room for, but certainly in the photo of it at this time of year, it looks like quite. I think, I, I think Nandinas are known as the Chinese sacred bamboo, but they that's their common name, but they're nothing like a bamboo. And yet they are, strange enough, but it is a shrub. And I remember this shrub from 30, 40 years ago. Um, it was too tender to grow outside in this country. And we used to see them, um, you know, you could buy seed of them and they would be advertised with these huge panicles of wonderful red berries. And you think, oh, I must grow that, not realizing that it would die in the, you know, the hard winters we had. Um, but today, thanks to global warming, we have that Nandina domestica with large panicles of berries on it. I've got one in the winter garden. I don't know quite, I can't remember whether they're red or not yet, but they will be if they're not quite. So it just shows how things change. And it, it, is, it is a lovely plant. Doesn't have to grow too big though. So you may be all right. Ooh, I might be able to fit it in. And always remember, remember that if you've got a shrub in your garden, you can always grow things through it uh, so that you can have color throughout the year. I mean, clematis, uh, something like the Cremocarpus escaba, the Chilean glory vine, uh, morning glories, that kind of thing. So always, they can be dual use. Chilean glory vine growing through things is is wonderful. It crept through a load of verbena uh, in my garden last year and it was just such a stunning combo. 
I'll tell you one thing that they do at Great Dixter. They, they leave their old delphinium stems on. They cut the seed heads off, but leave the stems growing, which adds strength to the crown, I suppose. And then up those stems, they grow something called Mina labata or Naipamea labata, I think it is, which has those lovely little bunches of flowers like uh, red, orange and cream bananas. It's a pretty thing, but it, you know, again, it disguises, um, it's, it's a bit like, um, what should we say? If you've got a tatty old clothes on, you put on a rather smart scarf like I've got on today. You people tend to look at the scarf and not the rest of you. So it's it's a bit like the magician magician's assistant, you know, detract from the nasty and look at the good things. Like a strong lip colour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd get away with that one. <laughs> that was certainly my trick. Um, Nandina Domestica filamentosa, that's uh, that's on my Flomo list. And um, it looks like it has really nice coloured foliage at this time of year as well. Yes, it, the, the, the foliage takes on various tints and things. Um, I think it's due to the coldness in the, in the, in the weather that that, that that happens. But I mean, lovely plant. And there's quite a range of them today that some of them, in actual fact, are known to change colour in the winter and perhaps they go green again in the summer. Because I mean, they're evergreen or semi-evergreen in this country. So, you know, there you go. Wonderful, wonderful Flomo. How's your Flomo getting on? <laughs> well, my Flomo is based on, uh, uh, there's, you know, there's never a day goes by with this, uh, there's not a Flomo <laughs> when I'm gardening. Because, um, you know, you go out there in the garden and even at this time of the year, there are new things to see every day. And, and dare I say it, the days are getting longer, which they are. I mean, I think we've got... I think I heard one of the weathermen on the television say the other day, do you realise that from the shortest day until now, the, the daylight hours have gone up by about 14 minutes, I think, per day. And if you think that's not very much, you know, add it over a month and it soon goes up quite a lot. Anyway, I was thinking of winter flowering plants and, and all the rest of it and where we can squeeze in things. Um, and I've got a, a particular a little niche um, like a bower between a glass house and the wall of the house. And I've got some nice things growing there. I've got Ribes speciosum growing there, which is that lovely currant with those um, hanging red fuchsia-like flowers. I've got two plants of Clematis uh, Princess Diana, which is a Texensis hybrid, which is one of the easiest because, well, I think that all hard prone Clematis are easy because all you do is you go around after Christmas and you snip all the stems down to about, I suppose about, mm, 30 to 45 centimetres um, and take all the top growth away, instant tidiness, you know, and then you snip the shrubs there or whatever it is they're growing through back and give them a tidy as well. And I've got a rather, um, a rather nice, um, what, what are they called? Oh goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> that evergreen flowering shrub, Trachylosperma masiaticum on the other side. And there's a seat in the middle and behind the seat where the clematis are, I'm gonna put in some winter flowering clematis as well. Now they will be evergreen, uh, not hard prune, they'll be sort of just trim and tidy. So I have to watch that with them. But I mean, you know, there are some lovely winter flowering clematis that need sheltered spots in the garden. And that's one of them. And also in the corner, in one corner, I'm gonna put in um, a camellia sasanqua um, because quite often you get camellia sasanquas, they're Japanese camellias, they flower in the winter. Um, and, you know, check your flowering times for when you want them because they start flowering as early as September and can be over by Christmas. Or you can go for, the, for those that start flowering in November, December and go through to January, February. 
Um, and they quite often lax, and you can actually tie those lax, uh, lax branches to the wall so that they form a lovely evergreen framework. Um, so that's something else that's going in there. I have got those. Um, another little plant, I, this is not a flomo because, well, it is because I haven't got them all yet, um, <laughs> because they're quite difficult to find, some of the uh, more unusual ones. But I'd like to put a little plea out for people. If they've got a sunny spot, and I know sunny spots are quite often um, in demand in the garden, but if you've got a sunny spot, I mean, it could be at the base of a hedge where nothing as much else will grow, but do try growing something like Iris unguicularis, which is known as the Algerian iris, and they flower any time throughout the winter. Um, there are varieties like Walter Butt um, and, and other name varieties. I've got Walter Butt, it's blooming at the moment, it's absolutely beautiful. And you see this flower emerging from this scruffy old mass of foliage, and there's this lovely pristine spear-shaped bud. And if you can pick it then, pull it really, pull it gently and it will come away from the base and then pop it in a little vase. And as soon as it comes into a warm room, you can watch it, literally watch it expand and open. It, 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 absolutely incredible, worth growing. I mean, they don't make a huge show. I'm not saying they do, um, but they're lovely to have because at this time of the year, I think you don't look at the whole border and think, isn't that border lovely? And don't those colors match? You know, it's like looking into a jewel box and you pick up one favorite little thing and it's Iris unguicularis. I've got another one called Peloponnese Snow, which has lots of white on it as well, but it has lots of mauve in the flower too. And there are other kinds and you need to keep your eye tuned in to who offers them because who, you know, bulb merchants or people that grow, proper nursery people that grow, not garden centers normally, but people that grow plants themselves would probably think, well, oh, I'll divide that and I'll put six on the nursery. That's all there is. So you've got to get in there quick. Absolutely. Um, very exciting. I have no iris unguicularis, but it's been mentioned a couple of times over the past podcast. So it's it's, it's ticking its way up the flomo list. What, what, which direction does your front door face? Oh, yeah, that is. It's not quite south facing, but it's the sunniest spot in the garden. Exactly. So, it's, you know, I'm just saying if people have got a front door that faces yeah. south and if you can make a little spot beside the steps, uh, the step that goes into your house or even if there isn't a step doesn't matter but just there that's the kind of place because you're not you don't have to go into the garden into the cold you can see it as you come and go and that's the place to put plants like that so you appreciate it. um it's a bit like scented plants i mean lovely daphnes at this time of the year daphne balua particularly um umpteen varieties available expensive plants but i mean they're worth it because they start opening in December, late December, and they carry on opening right the way through until the end of March, beginning of April, if you're lucky. But the scent that they exude is absolutely fantastic. If you've got one by your garden gate or by your front door or by somewhere in the garden that you regularly pass by, just so worth it. Top tip, tip of the week. Top <laughs> Now, before we wind things up, because we've got carried away and talked far longer than we meant to, as ever, um, Roshni <laughs> got in touch. Um, you have a brilliant video on our Get Gardening YouTube channel called Puppy Love, which is all about Nareens, Narines, Narines, however you want to say it. And um, Roshni wondered what compost mix you would plant your Narini, Narini, Narines into. Um, well, I tell you what, I, I tend to use a compost that I, it's very elementary. Um, it's 
a regular potting compost, which probably contains a bit of peat and stuff like that. A third of that, a third of John Innes number three, and a third of fine potting grit. And if you don't want too much of it, take a large bucket and put a third and a third and a third of measures, you know, whatever your measure is, whether it be a, a can or a scoop or a cup or whatever, and then stir it all together, mix it up, and you get a lovely crumbly mix. And that's what I tend to use. If you're growing them in pots, always use a terracotta pot. Not only does it look nice, but terracotta breathes. Um, and so, you know, you get some air around the roots of the plant, which is important. Um, and as for nerines in pots are very satisfying because you can grow them in a sheltered place or even a cold glass house if you've got one. They don't necessarily need heat. Um, some of them might, but most of them don't, as long as they've got that bit of shelter. And you can carry on having them blooming right up until Christmas if you get the right ones. There's a new one that I've seen, actually I saw it on uh, Facebook, not Facebook, um, Instagram this morning, and it comes from Farmer Gracie. And if you look at, I, I, I gave an order, just digress slightly, I gave a bulb order to Farmer Gracie and this package arrived. It was, it was a significant order, you know, it's not a tiny one. Um, but I opened up this cardboard outer and inside was a wooden crate. Beautifully wood, designed with a drawer lid across the top. Um, and I mean, I've got it in my potting shed now where I, I use it to keep various bulbs and seeds and things like that in it. And it's just so lovely. Anyway, Farmer Gracie has, <laughs> uh, let me see. Oh yes, a nerine, which, which is, I mean, you've heard me mention shrieking Schiaparelli pink. Well, this is shrieking, 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 Chaparelli. Pink. It, it's a nerine, nerine, nerini, or nerini, however you say it, and it's called Pearls of Cherries. Well worth it, I tell you. I mean, it's you get it at the time of the year when there's not much colour around to clash with it, but boy, do, we, do you notice it. It's like a flashlight. It's absolutely lovely. Shrieking pink with paler edges. It's a dream of a plant. So, Pearls of Cherries. Well worth following Farmer Gracie on Instagram. Quite the account, full of flow mode. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they have a lovely section to their catalogue, which is new and unusual. Um, and somebody obviously there knows what they're doing because they go out and they pick some really special plants. Um, I, I think I saw on there a scabiosa called Fama Blue, F-A-M-A, <gasps> Blue. Now, it's not the most floriferous variety, but it does produce lots of flowers if you keep cutting the dead ones off. And it is a really true blue scabious wonderful well we'll be back for more gardening chat in fact actually after this podcast directly after it, there's another one um because we thought we'd do two for all the poor people in england <laughs> locked down for a third time there's a bit more to watch uh, so you've got two this week um we'll have another one next week and we'll just carry on catching up with lots of lovely gardening folk sharing flomo show and tell and uh, having a, a good laugh it's lovely to see you chap Lovely to see you too, Miss. Um, and I think I think what we ought to do, if we if we do another one of these, we should have a show and tell each as well. Because I don't normally do show and tell, neither do you, do you really? No. Our guests normally do the show and tell bit, but if it's just you and I, we should do a bit of show and tell as well. We will. Even if it's not ours, it could be something we've borrowed. <laughs> I've got, I could should have brought my paper whites along. I've got you paper could. whites in the kitchen, but yeah. they've done the usual and gone super leggy. So they'd probably fall over if I brought them through. There's a little tip to that. Do you want it now or not? Yes. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if your paper whites are getting a bit, 
a little bit leggy and they invariably do because it's a little bit too hot in our houses and all the rest of it. so something flops here there and everywhere if you're making supports for for your paper white use some colored twigs or some twigs that you cut out of the hedgerow don't tell anybody i said that <laughs> but do it now Nicely. You either weave your twigs together in a circle and, and do something terribly artistic, or just put the twigs around the edge of the pot and use some nice raffia or twine. Raffia used to be called bass years ago, B-A-S-S, and it came in a range of colours. But, you know, if you can get raffia or some natural coloured twine, a jute like um, Phyllis, two or three ply Phyllis, and tie that nicely around the edge, instant glamour very glamorous I thought you were going to share a tip I read once but haven't been brave enough to try which is to dilute vodka and water your paper whites with diluted vodka which apparently makes them grow shorter unsurprisingly and it's not a joke about them coming up half cut or something um it, it's it just apparently I think it might be because I got uh, three words what a waste well <laughs> It, I, that's it. I didn't want to waste the vodka on the paper white, so they're tied up with wool at the moment, which looks better. Well, that's yeah, that's a good that's a good tip. If you've got if, if you're a knitter and lots of people are today, use some of your knitting wools to make coloured ties that will will go with whatever it is you you know you've got in your pot. Yeah, looks lovely. Better, looks better than it sounds, um, but it's uh, yeah, and they are filling the house with paper white scent, which is lovely. Tis. <laughs> well happy gardening and um i'll catch up with you soon see you all soon nice to see you bye 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 hey fordies here just to say thank you so much for listening to talking dirty you are now officially our favorite person if you really liked it please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant loving mayhem next week and as you're our new favorite person we don't want you to miss out if you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. Hey.